This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Assurance. Can you know that you'll be in heaven when you die? Welcome to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick, a ministry of Canyon Ridge Baptist Church in San Diego. You'll hear verse-by-verse preaching that will help you know and love Jesus in a personal and practical way. Last week, Pastor Chris Chadwick started a message called Kept by the Spirit. We're learning how the presence of the Holy Spirit is an absolute indicator that we are saved. This week, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and listen into this message in progress as we learn what it means to be kept by the Spirit. You see, it doesn't say in verse number 6 to be spiritually active. You see the text? He says to be spiritually minded. What you think about. And here's the deal. Nobody in the room knows what you're thinking about. Like I kind of look around. I've been pastoring for uh, 30 years, 20 years as a senior pastor, uh, almost 30 years, 28 and a half years. And, and I could kind of tell when people are like, in, it seems like I could tell people in the service and not in the service. But I get that wrong on a regular basis. Debbie will come home. She's like, how was it? Oh, it was great. Hey, did you meet this person? Yeah, they didn't really seem into it. She's like, oh, really? Because they told me they loved it and they're coming back and now it's Bernie Lund. And... Um, And you're just never sure. I can't tell for sure what you're thinking, but God can. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Continue looking just because of the sake of time. I want you to see this word life and peace. The word life is is a life that satisfies even when circumstances are difficult. Even when life is challenging, even when the sickness might take the person away from us prematurely, even when the job fails and peters out, even when a friend walks away, it's a life that satisfies by being indwelt by God, even when circumstances are difficult. It's the life of joy and glory in the kingdom of God, which awaits the truly redeemed, saved believer. And he says this, life and peace. Peace meaning health and welfare, every kind of good. Now that doesn't mean financial freedom and that if you live for Christ, God's gonna make you a millionaire and give you 12 acres on the ocean and you'll be the mayor of La Jolla. It just means God has something good for you. And how does God give you peace? Well, Romans chapter 5, verse number 1 is really clear. We are being justified, therefore being justified by, by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're justified means to take us to our original status create, at creation with God, where we're back to a state of innocence like Adam was when he was created. We are justified by faith because of the work of Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access, verse number 2, by faith 
into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. We are justified by faith and the product of justification, we see in 5.1, we see here and many other places throughout Scripture, tremendous amount of places in Scripture that we have peace. Yet we live in a world without it. We live in a world devoid of peace. We have a mental health weekend are coming up on the 29th, and I really pray that you'll come. Because I want you to understand with certainty that if you're saved, joy and peace are the expected state of the believer's mind. You are to live in a state of joy and peace. God has that for you. God expects that for you. God desires that for you. All the money in the world would never compares to joy and peace. There are areas of growth. There are areas of growth in my life and in your life where we need to grow into that place of maturing peace and maturing joy and maturing contentment in Christ. But understand this. That's the expected place for the believer. For far too long, we've gotten our marching orders from the world that tell believers we need to be in despair. And people honestly feel guilty if they're not. So they manufacture often this drama that goes on in their life. They're addicted to drama that goes on in their life because there's a measure of, of serotonin release when they, when they can conjure up this anxiety and, and, and discontentedness. And so they're constantly manufacturing it. When God says, no, no I just want you to live in peace. And the world tells us we need to be frustrated or angry or irritated or worry or insecure or have some addiction or loneliness or coping or fear or distress or apprehension or nervousness when God has promised us that the product of salvation is to bring peace to the believer. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. He doesn't say your peace I give you. He literally says my peace I give unto you. The peace of Jesus he gives to us, not as the world gives, meaning Jesus doesn't give it for a little while and take it back and give it and take it back and give it and take it back. No, he gives it and it stays, not as the world give, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Stop being worried. Stop being fearful. Why am I not worried or fearful? Because the Jesus peace that he gave me. He doesn't stop there. Philippians chapter four, verse number seven, six says, be careful for nothing. The word careful means worried, anxious. So where we get the word, a negative anxiety, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Bernie and I have faced a really difficult week this week. All of our pastoral staff has, all of our staff leaders. It's been a difficult week for us. And Bernie and I were praying this morning together and he just started expressing gratitude for the Lord, to the Lord for the struggle. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Verse number seven. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which passes understanding, literally means this, which is beyond comprehension, which is beyond calculation. How come you're not falling apart? 
I guess it's just the peace of Jesus. Explain that to me. I got saved. Okay, what else? This is both my personalities talking right now. Yeah, that's just it. I can't really explain it. It's beyond my understanding. I wish I had that peace. You can have that peace. How can I have that peace? Realize you're a sinner. Repent of it, which means to agree with God that you've sinned against him. And put your faith and trust in only Jesus Christ for eternal life. Believing in his death, his burial, and his resurrection three days later. Put all your faith in Jesus and you'll be saved. And then I would have the peace that you have? 100%. The peace of God which passeth all understanding. Colossians chapter three, verse number 15, believers says this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The word let means to allow, meaning you can resist it. Allow the peace of God to rule in your hearts, to have control of your hearts, to which you're called in one body and be thankful. You're called to this and our whole church is called. This is what called in one body. So the church at Colossae. The whole church, Canyon Ridge Baptist, we are called as a church body to live in peace. Don't deliver anxiety here because we're called to live in peace. This is what God has for us. And, and, and this is what God desires for us. And one of the great assurances of our salvation is a mind that is changed where we're spiritually minded and we're focused on peace. I don't have time to finish the message or the text. So let me conclude with this. I was born in the greatest decade ever. I was waiting for some more people to say amen, but you don't know what decade I was born. I was born in the 70s. If you just laughed, I pray you break something on the way out the door. <laughs> I'm teasing. I was born in the 70s, 1972. I was born into a pastor's family, as many of you know, and, and I live really, I, I got, I, I came to Christ. I finally understood the gospel with clarity and uh, came to Christ June 16th, 1983. I was 10 years old. I'd be 11 in the, the following September. Uh, so I've been a Christian now 40 years, but I, I've, I've been in church every Sunday of my life other than 14. Um, and when I was in high school, when I was in junior high, uh, my dad and my family lived in South Dallas. If you're from Texas, I, I lived in South Dallas. We lived in a place called Pleasant Grove. It's a community right next to Oak Cliff. That, that's where I lived. Went to school there, played football there, was really excited. Football in Texas is just, that's all that matters in life. And I broke some bones and went to the doctor. And the doctor said, well, I'll put a cast on him to my mom. My mom said, well, should he play or not? The doctor 
doctor says, does it matter what I say? And I looked at the doctor and said, no. And he goes, right. So I kept playing football. I mean, it's just my life. And then my parents moved from Texas between my eighth and ninth grade year to Oceanside, California. 40 miles north of here. And my dad started a church in Oceanside. I went to Tri-City Christian School. They didn't have a football team, but they did have a basketball team. And so uh, I played on the basketball team and, and a soccer team, which is kind of not a sport. And um, I like soccer. It's, but it's, I mean, come on. If you only score one point after 90 minutes, is it really a sport? And so it just, it was a lot of work and a lot of running and I just was using it. I used it to get in shape for basketball. I enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. And I played soccer. And those of you that played soccer, please don't send me an email. Don't come complaining after the service. Don't talk to me. If you played soccer, just don't talk to me. Um, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. A hundred percent. I know, I know many of you weren't athletes, so you played soccer. And, um, it was nice to be the pastor here. Bernie will be filling in from now on. Now, um, and so I played soccer. I had a great time, and I really fell in love with Southern California. I really fell in love with Oceanside. It's a wonderful place. I, I thought I'd have friends for life. Well, I'm not sure exactly what happened. I'm really not. I just know I showed up at home one time uh, at the in the summer of my tenth, after my tenth grade year, going into my eleventh grade year, and my parents said we're moving to Spokane, Washington. And I was like, what? We're moving where? I had just gotten a job. I, just, I was about to get a job at the San Diego County Fair, where back then, in a three-week period, we would make about four grand in three weeks, me and a couple friends of mine. And um, I was like, w- what happened? And I had no idea what had happened. And um, my parents just felt led of the Lord to move to Spokane and start another church. And, and so we, we moved up there. But when we moved, I got really ticked off at the Lord. I got ticked off at everybody. But I was like some of you. I could be mad on the inside and nobody knows it. I could be seething in rage and nobody knows it. Now, it's not the case. But back then, I could do that. Back then, that was just me. I was trying to not cause problems for my parents. Church planning is a really difficult task and we moved to one of the coldest places in America. We moved from one of the coolest places, like, 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 like cool in the gang, cool places in America. And we moved up to Washington and played basketball and, and really loved that. But the, the, friend, the people in Washington, especially Spokane, if you're from Washington, I, I, just, I mean, I, I lived most of my childhood on the west side of the state and the east side of the state, my junior, senior year in high school. And, and Washingtonians are just different. I don't say that rudely, but they just think differently and they say words like actually, and it's just kind of nutty, the things that they do. And, and it was just different for me to move there. And we moved there and I never really fully connected with anyone. I went to a school where kids had all gone. Some of you probably moved, maybe if you were in the military or whatever, and you moved and, and you moved to a school where pe- people had been in the same school since kindergarten. And if you're an athlete, I joined a basketball team where guys had been playing together for, for e- either 13 or seven years. And I came in and took a senior starting position which boy that endeared me to the school and to the team and and it was just not not great for me and I really got angry with the Lord like some of you are right now now here's the deal I never skipped church 
Matter of fact, I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I helped my parents because they, we, we literally had no money. And so I would go to school I'd, I'd, during basketball season. I'd be at practice at 5.30 in the morning. I'd practice. I'd go to school all day. I'd get off out of school, go home, do some homework for a couple of hours, eat dinner. And then at night, my family and I, we would, we would clean office buildings just for some money. We'd clean office buildings as a family in the evening. So I would work from like, I'd be up from like, like 4.45, 5 o'clock in the morning. And we'd get home about midnight. And I just kept that for a couple of years till my mom started a business and supplemented some other stuff. And I was angry. Still went to church. I still tithed. Amen. And I still gave to missions. I even still went on outreach. But I was ticked off like you can't imagine. Right out of high school, I bought the coolest car ever built. A 1982 Subaru GL. Four cylinders of sheer awesomeness. 13-inch wheels. Off the factory, zero to 20 in 4.5 seconds. I love that car. Couldn't get it stuck. It was cool. Kept it clean. Had a huge dent on the right front fender. It was great. I love that car. If I could find another one, I'd sell Debbie's car and buy it. <laughs> love that car. It's awesome. Enjoyed it. But I walked away from the Lord. But I walked away from the Lord like some of you have walked away from the Lord, where nobody knows you've walked away from the Lord, but you and the Lord. And you're, maybe your closest family. And one night I was, I was a dancer. I know it's hard to imagine, but if you saw me, I was fly. <laughs> I was the original Chris and Cross, and I did make people jump. Um, <laughs> if you're not from there, just YouTube it. Um, and one night me and some friends were coming home from the happening spot called Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. If you wonder why I'm laughing, if you've ever been to Coeur d'Alene, you know I just lied. That's like saying, I want to move to Nebraska. Nobody wants to be there. If you're from Nebraska, I apologize. It was nice having you as a guest. Um, And one night I'm coming home. I didn't drink. I didn't use drugs. But I liked what Chris liked. And I didn't like what Jesus liked. I knew God was calling me to be a pastor, but I was trying to do everything I could. And he wouldn't stop calling me. So I kept going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the world to try to get him to stop. But here's the thing about the calling of God. He doesn't stop doing what he's doing. And if you're saved, he's not going to stop doing what he's doing. And I'm coming home from Coeur d'Alene one night. It's somewhere around July. And I'm ending, I'm on I-90, Interstate 90. And I'm coming around a bend. And I'm moving from moving northwest to moving straight west right outside of Post Falls, Idaho. I could take you to the rest stop. I mean, today I could take you to the rest stop. I'm listening to Keith Sweat on my tape deck. And, and, I, and I'm driving. And my friends are asleep in the car. It's about 1.15. And I take that, that westerly turn uh, on the road, that westerly angle. And God says to me, Chris, you've got till September 1st to get your life right and if you don't September 2nd I'll see you personally 
You say, he didn't say that to you. He said it so clearly, I thought somebody in the car said it, but I knew the two dudes in the car didn't know anything about Jesus. They would go to church with me. I I think today one of them is saved, and I'm not sure about the other one. And I... I was like, what in the world? So I popped out. I love music. I popped out Keith Sweat and I put in Take Six because they're a Christian acapella group. And I thought that would drown it out and give me a measure of comfort and peace. And I just started listening to it. And God just kept getting louder. September 1st, September 1st, September 1st, September 1st. I've been messing with you long enough. September 1st, September 1st. And every day after September 1st, when I think about the things of the flesh, hey, September 1st is coming. September 1st is coming. September 1st is coming. September 1st is coming. And by the grace and goodness and kindness of the Lord, the Spirit of God kept coming to me and speaking to me and speaking to me. You say, well, my story's different. Great. Your story's your story. This is just mine. And he kept coming to me. And finally, I just had to say, I know that I'm saved because God's convicting me deeply. I have no peace. I have no joy. I couldn't figure out why my unsaved friends had more fun than I did. But I figured it out pretty quickly that they had a different father. And their father didn't care, and mine did. And I remember, like, August the 30th, because September 1st is coming, in San Dimas, California, at Bible College, submitting to the Lord. Took a while to make it public. Took a while to make it sincere, but saying, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm going to do it. And here's the thing. Bring the title slide up. I have assurance of salvation because God didn't let me keep sinning without the deepest of conviction in my life. And according to this text in Hebrews chapter 12, if you can sin and sin and just be in sin and there not be an overwhelming sense of conviction in your life, listen to what I'm about to say. You're not saved. Because God won't let you stay in sin without prompting you and pulling you to himself. Well, but I prayed a prayer. Prayer doesn't save you, Jesus does. If you're here today and you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you need to do that today. And if you're a believer and you're constantly struggling with whether or not you're saved, you have to answer the question, what am I focused on? Who am I living for? What am I living for? Because this is what I found. Satan has no problem ruining my life. And he has no problem ruining your life. Matter of fact, he high fives the demons when he ruins lives. He has one objective, to steal from you everything that is joyful in you, to destroy you and to kill you. That's all that he desires. He's evil on every level. His agenda is evil on every level. He hates you. So 
people who hate you lie to you. People who hate you like watching you in misery. And Satan gets a thrill out of watching you as a believer in misery. Pastor, pray for me. My life is in turmoil. Can I tell you why your life's in turmoil? Because you're following what Satan tells you to do. But if you're kept by the Spirit, the Spirit is going to keep pulling you back to himself. He's going to keep pulling you back to the place of peace. He's going to pull you back to the place of joy. He's going to pull you back to the place of contentment. He's going to pull you back to a place of gentleness. He's going to pull you back to a place of long-suffering. He's going to pull you to a place of kindness. Satan's going to pull you to anger, animosity, violence, porn, hatred, divorce, uh, uh, Breaking apart of families, the, the, the hatred of parent towards child, dif, dif, difficult and disgusting, perverted sexual behavior that has one intent to destroy you and those around you. That's all he cares about. And God says this, I love you. I loved you so much that I sent my son to die for you. And to give you victory over all of that. Live in the victory that I give you by repenting of your sin and trusting Christ as your Savior. You've been listening to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick. Tune in next week as Pastor Chadwick continues this powerful series of messages on knowing how you can be in heaven with Jesus. Speaking of... If you have any questions about what it means to be a Christian and how to go to heaven after you die, we invite you to visit our website, CanyonRidgeBaptist.com, for more information. We hope this episode of Canyon Ridge Radio has been an encouragement to you. Canyon Ridge Baptist Church is a growing church located in beautiful San Diego, California. If you're in the San Diego area, make plans to visit us this Sunday at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 5 o'clock p.m at 6866 Linda Vista Road. For more information about our church, our pastor, or how to know Jesus is your Savior, visit our website at canyonridgebaptist.com. Planet Oat Oat Milk is so rich and creamy. I love it in my cereal, but also in smoothies. With zero grams of sugar and Planet Oat unsweetened varieties. But it gets even better. It's an excellent source of calcium with vitamins A and D that's delicious in everything. Mmm, including my lattes. Pick up the carton that has it all. Or visit planetout.com for more. Planet Oat. Be good to you.